Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Day podcast. We are here a day later than normal to look back at the Norwich game, but the reaction pod didn't drop till Sunday, so things work out nicely. You had an extra day to go back and listen to that. We'll develop on that a little bit now, and we'll be back in a couple of days to look ahead uh, to the midweek trip to midweek, midweekend trip to Swansea. Is that right? You can tell I'm not going. Swansea, isn't it? I heard somebody yeah, in the Swansea, yeah. say it was Swansea. Yeah, there you go. Uh, researched up as ever. Uh, that was the voice of Mickey Loff, who is joining us for the second um, Monday stroke Tuesday in a row. Evening, Mick. Was I on last week? Probably not. No, I just I'm just yeah, I'm just it's just unraveling quite quickly. This from it's the very start. Making which, things up, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, do you know what it is? It's because I did the preview, and I don't normally do the preview. But um, delight to be here as always, even well, if I was on last week. But yeah, I know. I just me, me, me barons are all off because everybody's been doing different weeks and stuff like that. Never mind. Whatever. Uh, Matt Keelan's with us as well, just to mix things mix things up a little bit more. So it's just just chaos all over the place, really. Well, I did last Monday with Gareth, so mm. I won't make a habit of this, though. Like you know, this is... normal service will be resumed. But, but like listeners of the the Monday show. Probably won't be that happy about this, so I won't make a habit of it. I'll stick to I'll stick to where I'm where I know. Mm, I'm not sure there's a, a massive difference. To be fair, well, we we'll, <laughs> might find out after this. <laughs> Why the numbers all over the place? Yeah. Right. Well, we look back um, a little bit more. Well, we could, Halloween special because you both love Halloween. We've established. It's a waste. Right? Of time. It's a complete waste of time. <laughs> Like dress up like like you're like four, like it's. Well, I yeah, I don't I don't go as far as dressing up, but I have to embrace it a little bit now with the kids. Well, did, 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 to be fair, I did take. I've just said it, Mick. There, it did take me a few years to to embrace Halloween. And, uh, to be honest, it was one thing I, I didn't I didn't um, acclimatize too straight away. But I'm I'm it's there. It's one now. good thing I have about like living in flats most of me life is the fact that like I don't tend to get people like ringing me doorbell or like bringing on my door like demanding sweets and that. So there is an upside to it. Oh, it just gives you an excuse to be miserable. I don't know. I don't need an excuse to be miserable. No, definitely not. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you about Halloween, some Halloween fixtures later anyway. So uh-huh. there you go. Uh, I was asking Matt if he'd done the the question on Twitter where I was asking for like spooky names and stuff. It wasn't, wasn't him. I thought it might be new in preparation for the pod, and you said it wasn't. So, but no, I, I no idea, no <laughs> idea who did that. 
Um, but you weren't impressed with one of the ones I sent anyway, which I thought was quite funny. I didn't even get it. I thought it's just like because well, it asked for your spooky Sunderland names, and it said Abdullah <laughs> ha 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 ba like that's an not, evil an evil that's laugh. Just laughing, he's laughing. At <laughs> uh, whoever did that, I liked it. I haven't looked at them all or anything, but I like that one anyway. Um, right, so uh, Sunderland beat Norwich. When was that time we beat Norwich, Mick? 2012, Fraser Campbell scored that worldie. Right, yeah. I thought it was... No, we beat Like away, but not at home. It's the first no, at time. At, sorry, at home. Yeah, at the stadium, yeah. Yeah, right. 3-0, midweek game. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not been great apart from that. I was looking back and a lot of draws at home, some defeats. Yeah. It's strange how it works, isn't it? One of the most like infamous games in that sequence was actually the season later where we drew 1-1, draw nil, and that was just like the absolute pits of his reign. And like I think everyone like turned against him then. Because I the think um, not only did Norwich go down to 10 men, but also Lee Camp came on in goal for yeah. them. And we had an hour shooting at Lee Camp and we couldn't break them down. <laughs> so that's what it's all about. <laughs> well... Yeah, no, that that's that's interesting actually because they, they were like the the pole opposites, weren't they? Because that three nil win against Norwich was when we were in that we were in the prime of O'Neill when he was really good at Sunderland and we were just winning every week. And I think we were in a relegation zone when he took over. And we were like eight or something by the time he won that game and went this mad run. And then the following season, like you say, was was the complete opposite, wasn't it? Where everything was just so dour and dismal. So yeah, that was canny, wasn't it? Was there anybody, or was there any panic that our season was going to unravel when Norwich went ahead at any point? No, not for me. I mean, um, I think this is one really good feature of um, what Mowbray has instilled since he's come in. I think now when Sunderland go go down, I don't think to myself, "Oh Christ, here we go!" Like we're getting beat because I think that was a factor for years with Sunderland. Like if we went to go down, I think it was some mad stat that we hadn't won a game in like years or something. But now, I mean. After the win at the weekend, that's already nine points we've picked up this season from losing positions, which is really encouraging. And um, no, I just think that Norwich for just not a particularly good side. Um, obviously, the, I was listening to quite a few of the previews, like obviously with ourselves, the Raw, and um, what the fork, and all of their pundits just seemed like so negative. I actually think Freddie, who did ours, was the most optimistic, and even he was saying like that he thinks that Wagner should go and. Um, yeah, they were just very, very poor. They were very passive. It's just strange because I think that he's a manager who traditionally um, he's very high press, isn't he? And when he first came over the Huddersfield, is quite revolutionary <clears throat> what he implemented in the Championship because a lot of managers didn't do the high press thing. And he just seems to have completely sacrificed his principles to try and get results and it just didn't work at all. And mm. even even at like 1-0 down, I think we were just by far the better team in control of the game. I'm not saying we were like particularly outstanding or anything. I think it was a good, solid performance. But we were just much of a better side. And as soon as we got it back to 1-1, and particularly 2-1 up at half-time, I was like, right, that's a game. We've won. Um, yeah. And so it, so it went on to prove. So no, I wasn't particularly worried. And I think that was telling that I don't think the crowd turned at any point, even at 1-0 down. They stuck right behind them, which was good to see. And yeah, really, really important three points. It was interesting to see him sit back because me, me and Jimmy had the discussion in the, in the, in the preview pod where I was saying, like, you know, like you've just said, Mick, he's, he's historically he likes his teams to get in the front foot, which would have played into our hands. And I did raise the question to say, you know, is there a chance he might try and just shut up shop a little bit because he knows he's going to get, you know, they know they're going to get the asses kicked if they come and try and do what Southampton did and it could have gone the same way. And um, to be fair, Jimmy, he was saying, well, if they do sit back, that'll play into our hands. And his prediction was also 3-1 Sutherland. So fair enough that uh, uh, Jimmy seemed to nail that one. But I was really surprised that the, the sat back 
like they did, particularly in the second half, because they came out mad, didn't they? Where they were like, they came out early, ready to kick off. Not that you're probably saying that. Um, <laughs> they came out early and almost they thought, all right, they're going to, they're going to really press us here and get in our faces like that. And if anything, they would drop even further deep than they were in the first half. Yeah, it was a weird performance from them, to be honest. They had them. Um, I just thought they had nothing about them. I think someone said it the other day, and I thought the same at the time. They were very much like Watford. And the same that Watford are the same, like, you know, they've bounced up and down for years. And it seems like the string on the yo-yos just snapped. And they're like, just look like this Midland Championship club. Norwich just had nothing about them. I mean, that is a Hernandez. Um, was he? Is, did they have someone called Hernandez? They had one player that was it quite did, yeah. good. I don't remember his name. Yeah. Um, he was good and he was like a bit of a threat. But I mean, the the, the two centre halves, like, he, he, was it? Um, Gibson, Gibson and, and Duffy. Yeah, Duffy. Yes. Um, I mean, yeah. they're just like. You're going nowhere fast with, with them at centre half now at this Danny stage. Danny Bart on the bench. Well, I mean, why not play him? He's good, Danny Bart. Because there, like... there were times we look was we did look a bit dodgy at the back, and I'm the one negative thing I'll say, and I get out of the way, and I'm sorry, but it's true. If a better team at times, because it was crap as Norwich were, and as 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 deep as they sat, um, there were a couple of occasions when they broke on us, and they had the numbers. But they, yeah. were too, they were frankly they were too shit to, to, to capitalise on it, and and there were there were there were times when that was happening. Where I was thinking, where I was coming pressure, and it made me think of Danny Bart a couple of times. Not that our defenders necessarily did anything wrong, but it just did make me make me think, how is Danny Bart not getting a game for these? That was where my thought process went. Like, think we could do with Danny Bart at times, and how is he not getting a game for these? It's, it's quite. Bizarre. I think. Oh, I think with Norwich, it's just a symptomatic thing because I think it's on the way quite rightly sometimes say that. The way we do our recruitment is too much skewed in favour of like youth, and occasionally we don't get the balance right. But Norwich, they've gone completely the other way. I mean, you look at their recruitment over the summer, like bringing in like Shane Duffy and like Adam Forshaw and people like that. Who fair enough, it might be half decent players, but it's no coincidence that like Shane Duffy, as soon as um, Chris Hutton got sacked, he was basically out of favour at Brighton and he got loaned out. Hardly played at Fulham and then he got sold. Um, that's because he can't play the ball for the bat. Now, that's what Wagner wants to do. Same with Ben Gibson. You wouldn't say he's a traditional ball-playing centre-half. And as much as I think Danny Bart is a very, very good defender, and um, I think it's an absolute myth that he can't pass a ball or anything, I'm not necessarily sure that him coming in would solve the problem because I think he's quite the same. He's quite a traditional yeah. centre-half. Um, I mean, Duffy had a very poor game at the weekend, don't get me wrong, and he was definitely a fault. But I think that was because our pressing at the weekend was... Absolutely excellent. But Norwich would just seem to be this um, weird thing where a few years ago, like you say, when he appointed Wagner and he appointed Daniel Farker, that the very high press, he had a very, very like solid identity. And yes, they used to get like battered in the Premier League, but it seems as though, like I say, not just with a manager, but with a recruitment, they've completely abandoned the principle. And it just seems now that this is like kind of like hollow shell of a football club that they once were. And it's just like quite... And one thing I do want to mention as well, from a Sunderland point of view, I'm pleased we got the win because now we're seeing a little bit of a trend reversal because last season we, against teams that sat in really deep, we just couldn't break them down and win. But now we've recorded comfortable wins against Watford, who sat in really deep, comfortable wins against Rotherham, who did the same, and another comfortable win at the weekend. And the only outlier in our wins this season really has been Southampton and we absolutely tore them apart. I think it's only really Cardiff this season where a team sat in and actually successfully Got a win against us, so Martin. That was more luck than judgment again. Yeah, as we it, discussed. it completely was, and like that's our fourth home win of the season. Which again, it's not like 
the best home form ever, but it took us till Boxing Day last season to record our fourth home win of the season. So again, it's just like little signs that things are just moving in the right direction and hopefully we can now go on a little bit of a run. Mm. It's good because that was a concern last season, the home form, as you say. So it is good that if we can slowly wave on out now because uh, that was that was the one that wasn't a concern last season. Um, although Echo wasn't great, Echo and Neil, it's so important we have those two playing in the centre of the park. I mean... Dan Neil was sensational, I thought. Absolutely sensational. Like he's like this deep line playmaker, isn't he? The way the way he's playing. I mean, he's sitting so deep, but he's he's not just getting the ball and ticking it over. He's just it's forward passes and it's defence splitting passes. And then if his goal, um, making a forward run and like being behind the goal, you could really appreciate the finish, like sitting the keeper down like he's fucking Terry on Ray or something. That was just it was just a, a mint goal and a mint performance by him, wasn't it? I thought he was great. I think, like, like you say, the, the way he's playing is he's not just moving the ball on. He's it's well. That's the goal was like the stereotypical. Don't just admire. It. I know. He, I know it was great work by Clark, but again, for Neil to get into that position rather than just thinking it's nearly half time, we've got the ball, we'll be all right, we'll go and win it in the second half. Like the desire and the like, the intelligence to get into that position and then finish it like that was great. And I think. You're right in Equa. I thought he was. He doesn't look quite right, but I think it's it's really important that we've got the two of them together because we've seen what happens when. Well, to be fair, when one of them's missing, like Neil's great, but even like Neil on his own having to play, we don't really have another central midfielder, which is a which is a problem and when one that hopefully we can address in in January. But I think if we, it's it's vital that you can keep them two. Again, I don't think Equa. Is probably going to be able to play the ninety on Saturday, but I think he's definitely a player where, if he's fit enough to play half a game, might he play the first half because you need to start with them. Um, otherwise, it's 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 problematic. Um, and we've as as we've seen, I mean, if if they were to both be out at the same time, then I think it would be, yeah, you'd be well. I have to play Lugo nine then. You know, it's not allowed, is it? So yeah. I'm not going to forward or sign more wiggers and number tens in January. Then, um, yeah, sign him. <laughs> won't get in the team. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Um, it feels pointless talking about Jack Clark anymore because it's just such a rinse and repeat, isn't it? It's ridiculous, really. Good, isn't he? <laughs> it's not bad. Like we've got ten more games of him. Do you think? Hmm. Well, Burnley are one hundred percent going to go back in from. So why would he go there though? Like they're just going to get relegated. Well, that that's what I'm more like. As tragic as it is now, that's why I've been like looking at their results, thinking I hope they keep getting beat because that would be the only thing I would imagine now that would stop them. Where he looks and says, "Well, actually, I'm just going to be in the same position I am next season." Because it's, right, it's looking Ham. more and more likely that those three that went up are going to be the three. Yeah. They're going to go. It's, it's early, but it's it's hard to say. Pass that. Well, Sheffield United are going to. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they could break the record. They didn't have a good team last season, did they? Like we've said this before, Maybe. it was like they just last season. You know, they always look quite slow. I mean, I just think they had players who had that experience that got them through the games and they know how how to get promoted. And when once they got up and didn't strengthen the team and weakened it, arguably, like. They just didn't have a didn't have a chance, did they? So we'll we'll have to just see about January. But let's just like say, let's just keep talking about how mint he is. I thought 
what was interesting on the other wing as well with Roberts, and we've said how players are not shooting enough, not putting the ball in the box enough. I thought that Roberts was putting the ball in the box, particularly in the first half, a lot. And although it wasn't always reaching anybody, it was making them panic. And they were like clearing the ball and they were looking they were looking a bit chaotic at the back. And that's the whole point. So your stats might not look as good because mm. you're not completing as many passes. And I know they use data for so much now and your stats are going to take a hit. So to somebody who's not at the game, it looks like he might not be playing as well. But actually, I thought it was his best game in ages because he was doing that. He was beating his man and he wasn't going back and trying to beat him again. He was putting the ball in the box and they were panicking. And all it takes is for that to fall to somebody, one of our players in the box. And and we'll score, so like plenty more of that, really, as far as I'm concerned. I completely agree. And I think um even if he wasn't putting in the box, I think every time he was getting into a good position, he was doing like a positive action, if that makes sense. So for the equaliser, he looks up, he sees a ball into the box, isn't unnecessarily, cuts it back for Hume, who puts it into a good area and will get a goal. And again, that comes back to what you've said, Stephen. Like sometimes just have a shot or put it in an area. Not every time, obviously, but um it is good to say, like, Equal had a decent effort from outside the box early on. He had another one in the second half. And like you say, it makes, like, poor teams like Watford, it does make them retreat and it makes them panic and do silly things. I mean, I remember putting out for a corner when there was no reason to and things like that. So, no, it was good to see that um, we weren't only getting in them encouraging positions. We were, every time we're getting there, it looks like we've been working on the training ground. Like, right, when we get in them positions, we need to get a shot off or a ball at the box or, like, a positive action, like I say. So, no, I definitely think it was a much more kind of, Positive performance in that regard. Mm. We fuming at the ref, Matt. Even though images have since come to the surface that it looks like Hume was playing everybody on side, and there's not even a debate about whether he was going for the ball and interfering with play, and whether that should have been given. And Gareth had a massive anti-referee rant on the on the reaction pod, and there, um, going off the picture that I've seen, Hume was playing everybody on side anyway. So it's all a bit. Yeah, of he that. was. Yeah, he was. But. <laughs> Like if the linesman got that wrong by default because he just gave nothing or <laughs> off. Like the Gareth is right, the referee. I know, yeah, officiating's just appalling. Like you know that that fella there, that that linesman who's you know the, who correctly didn't give that decision. Um, he the the only decision he actually gave in the whole half was for a ball that didn't go out, which he gave a throw in for. Um, that Pritchard had stopped on the line and you saw it stop on the line. Um, I think he gave it because the player had gone off the pitch and I don't think he quite understands the rules of the game. They're all just... Uh, it, it's just I'm sick of it because they're all just absolute bollocks, the referees and the, the, the officials are just... It's a real problem in the in the, in the the whole... It's not just the Championship, it's, it's the Premier League as well. You've seen it at the weekend. They're just rubbish and they can't seem to get anything right they just it seems to be a particularly bleak period and I think someone someone behind me raised the I don't know if you mean he meant to raise it as a decent point, but shout like he was talking about the standard of the officiating and it was do they have to be wait I know we've got that idiot from Australia who sent Dan Neil off, but like do they do they have to be like like we, we, we get the best players from across the world. Like why can't we bring in, you know, some officials that it might be might be this, this is a question that goes back to when that bloody Italian what was he called? That Italian referee back in the day. Yeah, that people used to call people used to call for him and other Italian refs to be brought to the Premier League back then, I remember. That well then different. if you but then this I think on that though I think you see like some foreign referees and you don't see them very well, so you'll catch them and think, oh yeah, he's a really good ref him. But in Italy, they absolutely despise Kalina. No, no, no. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? What's is the it... theory though? Like, like, is it something that you'd look into? Because you know, everyone goes, "Oh well, no one wants to be a referee." Well, no, you wouldn't, would you? Because like. No. <laughs> I did uh, really enjoy getting a corner for Jack Clark cutting inside and hitting the post. Yeah, yeah it's just stuff like that, though, isn't it? Well, like, to be fair, I like... did take a nick when you say you back. Did I did take a nick, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, you sure? I haven't seen that back, I'll be honest, but it didn't look like it did at the time to me. It was one of them. It didn't even look like the ref give it a first either. It looked like, we it, were, do you know uh, what it looked like at the time? It looked like he gave it because their players were arguing about something, and it looked right. like he went, right. Used to do my head in so they can have a corner, you know, like you would imagine you'd teach from PA doing or something. <laughs> like that's what it came across like at the time. And I'll say that back because it didn't look like it did to me. I'll sit like right behind it and we were all just like laughing. Like, you know what I mean? Like we're like, how does he give a corner there? But then like one of the lads like saying on his phone at half time and showed us and it does like take a little nick. So oh, well, you've just ruined that, Mick, thanks. <laughs> so oh well. Anything else to add? Any standouts? What do we no, think I about? Thought, what, do we... I thought, um... what do we think about? Uh, Hamia's. Well, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to stand here like say like slag somebody off so much, but it's that that miss. I, I didn't actually say that. I left because I had to get off for for a party. But um, obviously, you're saying it back. And is that what happens to a striker who's never going to score? But I just don't think he's good enough. Like I, you know, like it does have that. It does have those hallmarks of that. And we've seen it before with Danny Gray and like the sort of situation. Alador and and yeah. many more. But at least he's getting himself into the positions. Yeah, but he's just never. He doesn't. Act, I feel. I, you've got. I do feel for him because he just looks way he's, out. He needs a visa ban, isn't he? And you don't want to like. He was. I will say I agree, Matt. He was much more like up with the player when he came on at the weekend, like more of yeah, he was. when he came on. Because that's been my big complaint about him, even when I've watched him in the twenty threes. He just looks 20 yards behind the pace of the game quite often, but he was much more up to it at the weekend. But like you say, this is now getting to the territory where he's missed like quite a few like big opportunities. So he had the chance to down QPR when I was there, like point blank. The keepers made a great save, fair enough. And then at the weekend, he's had the opportunity where he's um, late on, like you say, Stephen, where he's just like putting well over the bar. And it's all very well and like demanding the ball and looking for <coughs> human when Clark doesn't square the ball, which I do understand, by the way, from the striker's viewpoint. But equally, there were two men coming up his backside, basically, when then Clark's got the opportunity to square the ball, so Clark probably's done the right thing. Um, but no, he is just looking like more and more. Like I said at the time after QPR, he needs a goal like ASAP. Otherwise, like he's just the longer it goes on, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And um, it's weird because sorry, Mick. Oh, sorry, sorry. No, what, No, it's just it's strange because you're right. Like the chances he's had, like he had that one against Southampton as well, where he was through on yeah. goal. He, he didn't score and it's like people there's a lot of he's getting a lot of grace you know he's getting a lot of um, from a lot of people he's getting a lot of like a free pass almost and I think it's you know it's fine because those chances haven't cost us anything and it's like I think what he's pissed me that on Saturday and it's nil nil or one nil down it's exactly. like a completely exactly. thing what baffles me I think he's had a lot more grace than Burstow for example who I think yeah. is a lot more competent when he's played um, like Burstow, I think it's just um, yeah, fair enough. He's not like done anything like amazing, but he did that um, down Sheffield Wednesday. He did that really good turn for a penalty, and he looked really good that night. And he can link it up well, Burstow, I think, and he looks, as I say, like a competent player. Um, but I think um, what did everyone make a roasting at the weekend? Because I think I, he, I, I um, thought it was good. could it be yeah, your next yeah. question, Mick. Yeah, I think yeah, because you've 
you've got to factor in that he was heavily so heavily marked as well because they sat so deep and they were like smothering them as much as possible. Him and Clark seemed to be the two who they were who they really targeted. I felt like they were doing it with Bellingham early on, but Bellingham didn't have his best game and I feel like they they knew that and then they started leaving him in space almost to say like it's not his week, he's not gonna cause as much damage and, and they smothered Roosin and that. But I thought you could tell we had a forward on the pitch. As daft as yes, that sounds, yes, couldn't you? Yes, like when yes. we were playing, it was like clear that there was a centre forward there who they didn't want to leave. And and I think you know, as far as the starting starting home debut goes, it was it was okay. I thought he was good. I agree. I, I thought he was good, Mick. I, I thought he. You could tell. For, I think he, there was some stat like you think he touched the ball. He made like eight passes or something. But it, it, it's again that's the stats not really for me telling you. Yeah, the role he played in the game. For me, you could tell we had a striker up front. But not only that, you could tell we had a striker up front who played football before, and he was like the the way he was getting in, not so much behind, but he was like dragging people away. And the Neil's goal, like the the gap there is where the centre forward, you know, that there's no one occupying that gap for Neil to run into because we've got somebody up front there who's actually an intelligent defender. Yeah, doesn't speak the language or anything yet. Like you know, we all know that football is a universal language. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, it's nice to see like a 25-year-old bloke up front rather than someone who's clearly not ready. No, you bang on there because I think that was said about Rusum when he signed out of the signs that we made. He's probably the most first-team ready yeah. forward that we'd have at the club and so it's proved. I mean, again, like you can't use under-23 <laughs> football as a yardstick, but I went to watch him that night, but Alshish and Rusum both played and they linked up really, really well and the runs that Rusum was making, he's got them real genuine pace. It's like you say, Matt, it's not necessarily like direct involvement in the game, but he just kept their back four like so honest because he stretched them really well. He got into really good positions to receive the ball. And um, even like the, the Trey Hume goal, like he's like in the round, like Shane Duffy's like area. I'm not crediting Rusum with a goal, absolutely not. But what I'm saying is nobody's standing in his line of vision whatsoever if Rusum's not on the pitch. He occupies the right positions. So as I, as I say, I think um, hopefully we'll, and he's only going to get better as well. So, and that in turn relieves the pressure on the likes of Burst or et cetera, et cetera. So it means that we can, he can also be a good option off the bench, I think, even playing like off the left, even if we've got like already got centre forward on the pitch, he's got that real raw, explosive pace. So hopefully we'll see a lot more of I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 
your lack of enthusiasm for Halloween has ruined any um, special feature that we were going to do. But oh. I just, I did have a look to see. I just want to know if anyone can remember any games we played on Halloween. I only went back as far as 2006, and I, I couldn't be asked to go back further than that. Um, can anybody, there's an obvious one, isn't there? But can anybody tell me any? We're doing as so well. Obviously, so obviously, we've we... got the fuck. Sorry, go on, Matt. No, I don't want to talk about the, the one where we got bodied off Newcastle, but no, we... no. Yeah, we all know it. The, uh, 2006, but... this is so sad. Did we get big 2 water at home against Cardiff and Chopper Squad? Yes, we did, Mick. Yes, we did. That's an amazing memory because I couldn't. I, I remember that game because it wasn't Roy Keane's finest moment because it was quite early and it was tenure. I remember he paid four and a half that game and I don't know why I remember that but I just do and I remember that where they just he just had us all over the place Chopper didn't he, he was just making runs left right and centre and he celebrated wildly in front of the north stand and then we signed him in the summer um, <laughs> yeah that I would never remember that was Halloween so well done and then we all know the obvious one can anyone think of there's only been two more since then can anyone think of another one and why was it was that, significant was that 3-3 three, three against Bolton yes 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 and why was that significant it's pumpkin, pumpkin. <laughs> well come on elaborate for people who might not know people who's listening and might not know sacked by Simon Grayson when we've still got the pumpkin emoji in the club's Twitter handle so he was sacked before the end of the night wasn't he like I remember we went for a curry after that game and I remember because we all raised a toast because it sucked them so by the time we left the stadium and got in the restaurant and sat down like news had come that they'd sucked them and as you say the club put out there you know thanks for your services but you've been relieved of your duties and Sunderland FC Twitter handle had the pumpkin emoji still in which Very was just... the night, uh, an interesting move after the match I can't... I, I can't remember why. I can't remember why. It's not something I do regularly. So, <laughs> this is the <laughs> Halloween curry. I honestly yeah. can't remember why, but I, I obviously it's like one of those things where, where were you when Simon Graham got sacked? I could just, I could just remember it. Um, just because it was Halloween, mate, you started the Halloween. You're like, no, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I probably wasn't then. That was probably around the time I was starting to get converted a little bit. Um, there's only been one more. It kind of spoils it a little bit because those three, like, Almost like you want us to keep like losing or having bad results, but um, there was a random 2 0 win at Gillingham behind closed doors, which kind of just can't really remember. We scored two goals in the last five minutes, according to Stuckcat, and Chris uh, McGuire yeah. got one of them. Yeah, I think Gooch got the other one, I think. Possibly. And then I Chris McGuire scored a penalty. That was when the, yeah, they were kicking off at one o'clock, so they didn't have to put the floodlights on and stuff. Where they, they, yeah, because it was on the ground. So they just. Nobody- do you know mm-hmm. what I do actually remember that game? It's because it was like um it was the last day where we were allowed to have any kind of like fun or freedom before we put us into another hard lockdown. Oh, yeah. oh, well, I, I remember it feeling like I remember at the time feeling like the best day ever because I got to go to like um got to go to a pub in the town and socially distance and watch a match and then go and watch like a northern league game later in the afternoon and then like go to the pub on the night. And then it was like, right, no more fun for at least five months. Mm. Shotgun. God, Fair. bad times. No, well, I can't remember it all, and I'm not. I'm not surprised that people are so depressing that I've just erased it from my mind. Um, we played Newcastle quite a few times around that period. So the um, yeah, the two, the two one, the Barini goal was a day before Halloween or two days before Halloween, and so was the three nil the following season. Yeah, the Richardson free kick was in October. Was it? Yeah, yeah. It's just usually would be like March and. <clears throat> Match in October or mm. <laughs> weird, apart from when you know Christmas one, but you can't talk about that one. So. 
<laughs> which is not fair really is it? it's like uh when you can't hear like listen to certain musicians or songs anymore either <laughs> we could go down a terrible rabbit hole eh, and we'll not we'll not bother doing that listen to either, yeah. yeah it is um i was gonna say no i was gonna say something totally separate but i'll not do that um right so how does everybody think we're in we're in shape for the rest of the season now are we just gonna do we think there's a playoff push on or, or what do we think? It's so tight, isn't it? Because it looks now, and again, me and Jimmy said this before the match and it's just been solidified over the weekend. It just looks like the top two are just going to pull away from everybody, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I still fancy Leeds to finish second. Do you? Yeah. I don't know. Ipswich look great and they look really impressive. There's just something about... like I can just see... Every time I've watched Leeds, I haven't been impressed with them at all. And I, I've just got this feeling that they're just going to... Like Sheffield United did last season. Yeah. It kind of, and I remember when we were talking about the key, when Keane first came and weren't, weren't, Dar- weren't Derby like... Weren't Derby top for... Like runaway leaders at one point, yeah. weren't they? And they ended up... In, I mean, they ended up going up but they win the playoffs, weren't they? Yeah, there's there's like 14 games gone of the season. You know, I know Ipswich have got a game in hand. To be fair, so if they win that, they go like I think a point behind Leicester, which is a remarkable. Leicester will be up in a way that that's them. They'll no one's catching them. Mm. You know, I think I still think second. Ipswich look mightily impressive, but there's always something. <clears throat> I watched Coventry last night. I watched them play West Brom, and they they look just. What was the score? I've never seen it. Got beat. West Brom were like all right. They just didn't have to be very good. Coventry looked devoid of a lot of stuff. They looked very much like the team that lost in the playoff final, and that whole thing sort of coming to an end. Mm. And they were tipped by quite a few at the start of the season as well. I'll cue them going unbeaten now till March. And <laughs> yeah, and Ipswich winning the league. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Best to get relegated. It'll be interesting. I think we'll be there, there, both won't we? I can see it going right till final week again, and you wouldn't be surprised if there's like people moving around on the last week, like there was, yeah, yeah, like there was last season. So we just need to keep ourselves in that mix, don't we? I think that's as good as we can hope for, really. No, I think definitely, like you say, like playoff push is like the absolute like bare minimum. Like we should be looking to get like actually solidify our place in the playoffs. I mean, I was looking just before I came on, just out to show your interest. Like after 14 games last season, how we fared. Positionally in the league, there's only one place in it. However, we're four points ahead of where we were at this stage right. last season. We just beat Wigan at home this time last year in terms of our fixtures aligned. Because yeah. um, we were losing in that, that game, weren't we? And we weren't yeah. playing that well at the time, yeah. And I remember that feeling like such a big win because it was right in the middle of like having no strikers. And I think when we went 1-0 down to Wigan, there was quite a few people kind of turned on speaking a little bit and saying, like, look, this is your best like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um so, no, but I think that speaks to the fact that, like, like we kind of said at the start of the season, because last season we had such an unusually low points total to get in the playoffs, this season we kind of need to outperform, and we are outperforming where we were this time last year. Mm-hmm. And, and also, is, like, in, in the lower points thing might come in again, because there's that many teams taking, in the mix taking points off each other. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I think it is, like, Mowbray alluded to it last week, he said, like, oh, like, we're right in the playoff mix, but so are 14 teams. And yes, as the season goes on, teams will naturally fall away. Well, I think Gareth made a really good point the other night where he, or it might have even been on the reaction pod, where he said that um, in the Championship, it's not unusual for a team to finish, like, say, four points off the playoffs at the end of the season, but they're never really in it. So hopefully yeah. the season goes on, we can put enough good runs together to make sure that we are consistently <laughs> at the top end of that push and we can, as I say, like get into the playoffs. But I think I think it, there's, there's nothing in this league, really, apart from... 
I mean, even Ipswich when we played at home, we didn't like get battered by them or anything. We were, like, we were the better we went, team. Yeah. And Leicester, we went there and played really well. So there's nothing in this league that particularly frightens us. So it's like you say, we just need to kind of fine tune it a bit and like start picking up like some better results away from home, like last season, and hopefully improve the home form steadily as well, and we'll be all right. I definitely think that um, the week have such a big result for a number of reasons, just to keep like this positive momentum going. And I think, as I say, we'd still have a good season. I think, I think like. Saturday's game and that I know we lost to Stoke, but I think that the sort of results like that do set us sort of apart from teams that are just going to finish twelfth to twenty fourth or whatever. Um, and a team that has something, you know, we we do have something about us. For all I'm, you know, very cynical as you know, Ted, and I think like we play some good stuff, and I think it's I don't I don't envisage us you know, cementing our place in the playoffs particularly early on, but I, I don't envisage just being out of it at any point either. So, yeah, no, I, I think, you know... Doing it was over the mix and see what happens in January. Okay. Um, I just want to finish just saying something, if you wouldn't mind, give us a couple of minutes. Um, just to mention that the Red Sky Foundation, who's a prominent charity in Sunderland that does essential work and provides defibs to communities, which... Unfortunately, like it or not, most of us will encounter a scenario where this is going to be required during our lifetime, as sad as that sounds, and it can't be understated how important they are and that you have access to a defib in your community um, for the worst happening. And from a personal point of view, last summer we were affected by this when my father-in-law Mel suddenly and unthinkably to us required the use of a defib, which luckily was located quite close by. And a couple of important things just to mention on that. So the defib gave him a chance, got him back to hospital after a period of his heart being stopped. And, um, you know, we didn't get the outcome that we wanted, unfortunately, and we're still grieving that. But because of the defib, his heart did start working again and his organs were then preserved. So that meant somebody else's life was saved as a result of that. So we didn't get what we wanted, but it saved somebody else's life. So the, the importance of having these defibs in, in your community, honestly, it, it just can't be overstated. And um, a development after that was Red Sky installed a defib in, in, in the heart of, of where Mel lived and it had his photograph on and it was a real personal thing for our family. And then for some reason, somebody's decided they were going to face and smash it up. So, you know, the charity are amazing. They have replaced that for us now, but these things need paying for and hundreds of pounds we had to raise for that to be replaced. So, to keep it Sunderland topical, my wife Claire is going to join Red Sky on Thursday this week and they're having a sleepover at the Stadium of Light. Uh, I've managed to get out of that. <laughs> but uh, good luck to her. She's going and she's going to have a sleepover. They're all taking the sleeping bags, sleeping over at the Stadium of Light this Thursday. And I'll just, you know, if anyone could afford a quid to throw in, would be grateful. So on the Wise Men's Twitter feed, there's a repost from, from Claire if you want to follow the link there. Or just if you go, I try to find like a, a clear URL for this, and I could, and, and and I couldn't. So if you go to the Just Giving homepage, and there's a search box, and just put in Red Sky Foundation Claire C L A I R E, um, and it will take you to to that to that. And honestly, like even if like twenty people listening, this put a quid in each, would be grateful. So please do that if you can. Right, we somebody will be back later on in the week. Gareth, I think is going to do the the preview this week, as always. Thanks for listening.